Good morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'd be curious to count how many times I've said the phrase, I'm doing pretty well. I feel like I'm very uncreative in response to that uh, <laughs> in response to that question. We definitely have our like memes yeah. that we go through. I actually had this idea of like kind of like lightly trolling other podcast hosts by cutting together a version of like their little things that they repeat over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it would be kind of funny. Yeah. I think I'd be a little freaked out to hear what my repetitive phrases are. <laughs> yeah. And then you'll go nuts because you'll be, you'll start doing them and then your brain will, will remember after you said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. the thing. Yep. 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 Oh, well. So I just got back a couple of days ago from a ski trip. Oh, nice. Where, whereabouts was that? A tuple ski trip. Um, we went to uh, Jay Peak up in Northern Vermont. Okay. Okay. It's practically Canada. It's way up there. Yeah, it sounds very Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so because it's so far, they get great snow. Uh, so this is nice. We were taking advantage of our, hey, we're, we're flexible. Let's go midweek. So we went up Sunday evening and skied Monday, Tuesday, uh, which is great because the mountain was basically empty. We didn't wait in any lift lines, which is awesome. And then we got uh, lucky with uh, some snow and like got like seven inches of snow overnight when we were there. So like the Tuesday morning was like unbelievably perfect. It was a good company kind of uh, bonding thing and also like strategic planning kind of adventure. We had a bunch of things to talk about. It's a new year. And also right before that, I sent out a survey to um, our active users and asked them a lot of things and learned some interesting stuff. So that was like really useful to have that to guide the discussion while we were there. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. So it was just, just like kind of free form, like on the ski lift, just casually talking about stuff. Some of that, yeah. um, plus uh, we did let's, in like an explicit session one evening where we were like, all right, let's talk about what we're going to do and what we think. And so I sent a survey. And I can, I'll tell you kind of what, what the shape was. So the first question was, do you think adopting tuple increased the amount of pair programming you do? 71% of people have said yes to that question, which is totally cool. That question is kind of not in our favor in a way because people that already pair program a lot are likely to adopt tuple. And so maybe it doesn't make them pair more, but that's because they were already pairing a lot. So to me, like that's that's a very strong number given that in particular. I think if the number was low, it would indicate that you're doing a good job scoring the people who already recognize the value of pair programming and are doing it actively. But this seems to indicate that you're making inroads into the group who are more aspirational or have yet to discover fully the benefits until using your product, which seems like a good like foundation to build off of. Totally. And there was some like free form. So the, the next question was, what's great about Tuple that we should make sure not to mess up? Uh, which is something that came to me uh, recently. And I was like, oh, I like this question. I think this is cool. It's really expensive and, and annoying <laughs> to run tests all the time. You know, like to have an A-B test for every change you make, like that's just kind of impractical and probably not the right way to do it. But then it's definitely possible that because you're not really doing science anymore. You're now like, you know, kind of trying stuff it's totally possible to mess something up that was good. So I wanted to explicitly ask that. But yeah, getting back to that pairing thing, we, we had people mention in that question, um, like say things like, this makes being a remote developer like tenable for me. Please don't screw up anything because I, I need this app to keep being happy doing my job, which is like kind of amazing. There's like some definitely testimonial worthy stuff in that in there. That was an interesting question. And it's, it's also just great to hear, like, what are we doing pretty well? That, like, people, like, latency was way up there. Uh, low friction was was up there, for sure. 
Um, those are kind of the big things of that themes of that one. Uh, the next was what can we add, change, or improve that would make you the happiest? And then we also paired with after that, that was free text. And then afterwards we said, do any of these ideas sound particularly awesome? And we threw out like 10 different things we might add or, or change. And the interesting result from that was that there was a definitely a theme of people saying, make the basics a little bit more reliable, which I think is pretty reasonable. I think we can do a little bit better of a job. And this is basically what we took away from this of not like let's not expand any of the the surface complexity at this point like or the complexity surface area and let's just make it so that you don't have to restart the app to make it work which is something that happens sometimes like we have there's a lot of state in the app it's actually pretty easy to get in the state where it's like oh something is weird now and maybe you need to restart it to make it work or like the sound doesn't work until you restart it or something and people seem to be mostly happy but they're just saying like if there's one thing like if it could just be a little bit more reliable on those those basics that would be great yeah it makes sense because there's I learned this a lot building level just how much nuance there is to like making a product feel really really nice to use like on the surface it seems very simple like communication tool we're just sending text snippets back and forth how hard can it be but like especially for an app where it seems pretty simple on the surface but it just has to fit like a glove like it like and anything any deviation from that is just minor annoyances that pile up because you're constantly like hitting that that interaction point you know it's tough to to see those it's like it's easier to talk about like big features where you can kind of wrap it up in kind of like a broader description of what this what this whole feature is and it's harder to say like we're going to make yeah make it slightly more reliable less restarts make the menu appear like in a way you expect so that your mouse doesn't have to move as much like lots of little details right where you can refine stuff and it has like a big impact on people's perception of the product but they're they're very minor when you look at it from the outside, you know? Mm. I also think there's this reality, which is we're kind of moving out of the, hey, we're a scrappy alpha product that you should use if you're an early adopter and or want to support us to like, people are using this for real work and don't want to really think about it. It's like our app's job is to get out of the way and just be a stable, reliable part of the toolkit and not have to think about it. Actually, I kind of like this result. Like I, I, I wish we didn't have any reliability issues but of the things to focus on this one actually makes me feel really good the product is basically delivering the features that we people want there were some feature requests of course but uh, nothing too crazy and just getting something that's more bulletproof definitely appeals to me it's like we don't have like don't add just you know improve just refine yeah i like that make it handle more edge cases yeah yeah the main feature request outside that uh, ended up being uh, better mobbing support. Mobbing. Is that just multiple? Yeah, multiple yeah. people pairing okay. at the same time. Okay. Uh, so we do support an observer. So you can have a pair of people working and then you can add a third person. But like that third person can't do remote control. They can't like write on the screen, things like that. So people asked us to like flesh out that mode and like maybe support even more people on there, which I kind of take as a good sign. Like it wasn't like, oh, I, ha- I have this crazy feature request that's totally outside of what you're thinking. It's more like I wanted to do, you know, a- a more complete version of the thing it's already doing yeah yeah and how does mobbing work exactly i mean you still have someone who starts as an observer one person has control but is just being able to hand off control between people easier or is it how like how, how does the mechanics actually work of that well good question who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh like right now like you have the pair and like you have the host and then you have a guest and then you have an observer and so the host always can have control if they want the guest can take control if they like to the observer can't right now 
Uh, but so people were asking like, oh, it'd be great to have a way to hand off control between people and then like maybe switch. Okay, now the observer should be the host and everyone else should connect to them. And um, there's a lot of little iteration or a lot of little complexity in there. Tons yep. of complexity lurking in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally. Which is partly why we've kept it so simple. Yep. The mobbing stuff is going to, will come later because it will make it more complex and less reliable at first. To me, it was kind of heartening that it's like the basic, it feels like the basic uh, feature set and like value prop is, is mostly there and people kind of just want more of the same and more reliable versus like, hey, can you add this crazy thing that we weren't thinking mm, about? Yeah, yeah. That's really good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad we did the survey because honestly, we were, before getting the results, we had like a lot of different ideas of where we would take the product and they were mostly around adding features. Um, like I made my own list uh, ahead of time and it was like oh like this cool thing or double down on this or make this thing uh, different and it was and after hearing from a bunch of customers it was like oh wait just kidding uh, we have entirely different mm-hmm. um, priorities actually yeah yeah and so and we sent out an email today or yesterday saying hey we just shipped a new version here's some here's what's in it also like the results from the survey were this so we're going to be focusing on this reliability and so far, like feedback on that has been really positive. People were like, oh, great job listening to us. Really appreciate that. Like, psyched to hear what you're going to be focusing on. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one other question I had in the survey that was useful and that, I, uh, that gave some good results was um, any small annoyances you wish we'd fix? Mm, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Which is cool because I think there's like, it's kind of like a fun list now. Like, I want to go through that thing and just be like, oh, like, okay, it's Friday afternoon. I don't really want to tackle a new thing. But oh, yeah, that's right. We totally should sort this list by last name or whatever mm-hmm. and just like clean up a couple of those little little things yep and did you get some good you got some good uh little things come through for that yeah like 75 of them oh wow okay <laughs> all right yeah. a little bucket to yeah, pull from exactly uh 75 like responses not unique things okay yeah there's, okay. there's a whole a whole list of of pretty good ideas in there honestly mm-hmm. i was like oh yeah that is a little bit annoying i didn't think about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so big stuff small stuff strategic stuff but like totally a really good effort. I'm really glad I did that. Yeah, yeah. So now now that you have these kind of takeaways, you've done a little retreat and kind of discussed them amongst the team. I imagine you have some kind of prioritization, some kind of ranking of tasks starting to come together. Like what's your what's your process like for officially filing those? Are you creating tickets for those in your project management tool? Like what are you what are you doing now with that kind of This is data? kind of in flux. So we st- we tried doing shape up um, and that went okay, but I think we didn't really do it all the way. Like we like set some appetites for things, but then we didn't like wrap it up in time. Like we kind of let the projects just go. So we like shaped some pitches, and then we picked the things to work on. But then we just kind of worked on them until they were done. And some of them went longer than the original appetite for sure, which is not really in the spirit at all. I still kind of want to try that, like give it more of a f- like a proper effort, because it, it seems like a good enough system, and like all the systems are pretty good. I think if you do them uh, right now, we're very ad hoc. So we have a lot of times we're like, oh, this is a good idea. Or this is a good idea. And it's like, okay, but yeah, like, wh- how does that translate to who's going to do what, when? And not having an answer to that means that like good ideas kind of get dropped. And you end up working on like, well, it seems like I should work on this, I guess, even though I don't have a complete picture of what it should be. Or is it really the most important thing? And so I, I actually think that's an area that we can and should improve. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of helping like organize complexity and mitigate our natural tendency to gravitate towards things that are like funner to do or easier to do but maybe aren't the highest value right um exactly yeah yep it was interesting uh, i had a sort of a realization where around a lot of the reliability stuff I, I just don't know the internals of the product well enough to like even pitch those things myself 
I know certain issues we're having, but I don't, I can't fix them. And I don't know what the core things are. So I, I said to Spencer, like, it feels like you're actually in the best position to like shape some pitches around these things. So I think for, at least for the reliability, I think that's kind of the next step for him. Yeah. So hopefully over the next quarter, we'll just get more and more reliable, probably no, like very, like few user facing changes, but it just, the app will just work better. Mm-hmm. Oh, sounds, sounds really pleasant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Along those lines, we had an interesting experience yesterday, which is we had uh, customers reporting a couple kinds of bugs and Joel set up tuple pairing sessions with two of them. And so like, let's, let's jump on a call and like, you can show me what's going on and see, we'll see if we can reproduce it. And both of them were like super fruitful. Like they're just like with like Spencer and Joel just sat down with this person and like within like five or 10 minutes, it's like, oh yeah, there we go. That's the problem. We get it now. Like once you can actually see it happening and see their setup, it's like, oh, you have the dock on this monitor and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I could see why this is a bug. And so we had like fixes for both those things like the same day, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah, that's really nice. We um, we often did that at drip in the early days. We had Ian, our developer on the team, who also spent a lot of time in support. The results definitely show from having like a way overqualified technical support engineer <laughs> doing some support, you know, because he could listen to a customer problem and then get it all the way down to like, oh, yeah, it's this model. Like we've got like the logic in this part of the app um, needs to change. Like and he could just he had a full uh, spectrum view, which a lot of times you don't get as a team scales up, you know, and you, you have like people with varying degrees of technical expertise and you have to hand off knowledge down the chain to eventually get something fixed. Um, totally. So, yeah, it's really nice when you can. You can have like a, a person who understands the entire system talking to customers. I think it's definitely Absolutely. worth keeping. <laughs> Even having to do one handoff between like Joel and Spencer, like a support request comes in and then Joel asks Spencer to do it. Like you lose stuff even just like that one one hop Yeah. versus like, all right, look at this right here with me right now. Like, oh yeah, there we go. That's the problem. I've said it before, but I, I love that we can do that at this phase. And like, I just, I love leading into that. Being able to give like founder level support at this point is just awesome. I think it's like a superpower. In the email that went out yesterday, I talked about one of the bugs we fixed from those calls. I wrote up actually a description of what the specifics of the bug were. And it's like, if you have a primary display that is a retina display and a secondary display that is arranged vertically above it in your like display arrangements, and the dock is on the retina display and you're sharing the secondary display, the mouse was in the wrong place. Like we had like <laughs> oh a mouse gosh. offset bug. And... <laughs> I like wrote up that description and Joel was like, do you think it's like worth including that? And I was like, let's, let's throw it in there and just tell people like what the actual bug was. Yeah. And several people responded and were like, thank you for including like, it's, it's so, I'm so glad to see like I was, I had that exact issue the other day and like, I'm, it's yeah. awesome to see like this detail here. Yeah. And someone said, it is irrationally satisfying to close the loop on this. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So like, okay, we got to keep doing that. That's like, it's fun. We got, cause you know, we have, we got technical users, you know, and then they, they want to see the bugs fixed. And so it feels really good to, to do that. That should be your tagline. You remember like Rackspace had like fanatical support. Your mm. irrationally satisfying support. <laughs> that's what Tupelo that's definitely, a, definitely hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Just to get back to, for a second to the reliability thing. One of the things that I uh, am doing and hoping to push live today is I was like, okay, so if we, if we're making this a focus, how do we know if we're, we're succeeding? because reliability is a just a fuzzy concept. Uh, and so I set up a, some automation so that after you do 10 calls, we're going to send you uh, a reliability survey where basically I break down how reliable is this part of the app? Like is the screen sharing? Is the audio? Is like seeing people online? That kind of thing. So we're actually going to have a metric for each of the parts of the app and we can sort of see, okay, here's the baseline. How are we trending over time? 
And I just I, I love setting up stuff like that where it's like, okay, there's there's a new customer feedback trap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where it's like people will get sucked into it and give it like just I love like establishing those little like pipelines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so now we have, you know, numbers we can look at. Yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah. Seems very wise. Yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> so uh, what's going on with you? Uh yeah. So I've been still on my kick of trying to figure out how to how to stick to my 2020 goal of of being very intentional with what kind of information I take in and what kind of um, consumption I'm doing. And so I've been digging into Cal Newport's uh, newest book, Digital Minimalism, which is kind of like sort of like a lot of the deep work principles, but kind of more focused on personal aspects and not just squarely on work, you know, so so like our relationship with social media and and just digital devices in general and, and how we communicate with people. It's been really good. Like there's some some good anecdotes that I've pulled out of there that I kind of want to touch on here. One of the things that I just enjoyed, a little story um, that he told was kind of profiling how the Amish think about things. <laughs> a lot of people had their perception, and I was included in this category, that like this is a group of people who decided that some arbitrary point in history was like the pinnacle of technology and and kind of stopped there. He was like, that's actually not the case at all with, with the Amish. What they do is every single piece of technology that they want to evaluate, they're very open to evaluating them and see like, what is the net effect of bringing this into our society? Like everything has negatives, everything has drawbacks, but are do the, do the does the good outweigh the bad for this thing? So he was like, early 1900s, automobiles come out. And he's like, the Amish were like, definitely testing them out and like trying out including them in their society. And they one thing they realized was that people who got cars tended to leave and go to neighboring cities and spend time outside of the community. And it started to lead lead to fewer connections. People were not as close anymore. And they saw that as like a kind of a, a just a breaking down of their society. So they're like, nope, we don't think we don't feel like it's worth it. Like we have other ways of getting around. Maybe we won't move quite as fast. But like, do, do we really need to move that fast? Probably not. It's really interesting. Obviously, there's they're not a perfect example of like exhibiting minimalism and and having like a completely fair society and all that. Like there's there's still some problems for sure, but it it was interesting to kind of think about like yeah, that's that's actually a really thoughtful way to approach technology and something that is just radically different than what most of us do these days. Where it's like we we kind of have a baseline assumption that any new technology that's fed to us by by Silicon Valley or whatever is like, oh, it's it's so good. It makes me more efficient. I this thing is is, you know, assumed to be positive. And I think a lot of us are kind of learning that like, yeah, there's the, the drawbacks actually are are pretty strong for a lot of these things. Yeah, that was just one anecdote that really stuck stuck with me. He kind of opens his book talking about like doing a digital declutter, which is sort of like a detox of of sorts, like take take a month away from all the all the digital vices and then after that period of time figure out what you want to re-add back in and so i've been doing that with twitter now for the whole month of january and i definitely don't have the same you know drive to go check it all the time like i used to and it's it feels really nice like i'm kind of like i've opened it up occasionally and it doesn't give me the same dopamine rush that it used to so i feel like that feels really good to have kind of broken that habit and I think it remains to be seen, like if I'm going, how much I'll reintroduce it. But it's it's been good so far. Hmm. I've always gotten sucked back in. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. So and that's why I'm like, like it remains to be seen what's ultimately going to happen, and maybe I'll I'll hit another phase in business where I want to be sharing stuff, and then boom, sucked right back in. I mean, we'll see. Short term wins are still wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at least in this season, I feel 
I just feel so much more focused. I, I wake up in the morning and I'm not immediately checking stuff. Oh, so another thing I did, he talks about like dumbing down your devices, right? And we've, we've kind of talked about this a little bit with like blocking stuff on, you know, blocking Twitter or whatever. But I saw someone do this. I can't remember who it was, but I basically took every single app on my phone and put it in a folder. When I unlock my phone, it's just a blank background uh, with, a, with a folder. I have like calendar and Spotify, um, you know, separate. So those are my two quick access ones, everything else tucked away in a folder. So like just that alone, it's so easy to just like, without even thinking mindlessly unlocking your phone, oh, I see a badge on something or oh, I just my thumb automatically goes to email or whatever. And it's like a lot of these things I don't necessarily want to delete off my phone because I want to be able to under certain scenarios, it makes sense to use my phone as a computer. But I don't want the like the mindless, um, you know, I'm just going to find myself checking email at a time where I shouldn't be like letting that distract me. Um, and so that's been effective. And what a cool thing, too, is like if there are apps that have notifications waiting for you in a folder, you can just like hold your thumb on the folder and the, a little flyout will appear and it'll just list which apps have unread badges on them it's actually more efficient than like scrolling through uh, pages of apps and it just like there's less less uh, noise in front of you so it's i found it pretty pretty interesting nice that's cool i am pretty consistent with disabling badges for things although i have found that sometimes like with email for example like it has no badges on it but then i'm like oh i wonder if i have any emails right yeah and, like, i go and open, look at the thing <laughs> okay no yeah and, like it's so it's like does it really make me open it less like maybe not like as opposed to just seeing like oh like there's actually nothing there i don't need to touch it i'm still like oh maybe there's something there yeah 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 it's the mystery box so i, <laughs> I don't know i know i wish the badges weren't that he talks about like um the person who was on the early facebook team that kind of was inventing the newsfeed and likes and notifications and, and all of that gamification of getting people sucked back in, right? And they used to have, the badge used to be blue or it used to be like the same, like it was just white on the blue bar. So it would blend it in telling you how many unreads you had and it wasn't getting clicked enough. So then they just changed it to red and like it went off the charts. And I'm like, damn it. They're just, they're gamifying everything about, <laughs> about the way we access these tools, which is frustrating. I don't know what it is about Facebook, but it does not suck me in at all. Yeah, I, I haven't had a Facebook account for years. Yeah, I, it's I have the account, but I, I don't know why. But I find it so boring. Every time I open it up, I'm like, "This is all so bad." Like, none, yeah. none of it interests me. Yeah, and like, I guess maybe it's just that I don't interact with it enough. So like, the algorithm doesn't have enough signal to like make a news feed that I care about. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm pretty happy with that arrangement. Mm -hmm. It's like I think maybe like once a week, I'm like, "Oh, I guess I'm so bored. I'll look at Facebook," <laughs> and I'm always <laughs> like, "Why did I do this? This is terrible." Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm, let's, I want to keep it that way. Yeah. No, no likes for me. Yeah, that's good. That's good. He talks about likes in particular, like just that the mechanism of reactions. And it's something I explored when I was building level two. Like, so I kind of dug into the psychology behind them a bit. And um, this is just a reinforcement of that, that like humans are geared for a whole array of communication signals. Like as we're having a conversation, I'm looking at your face, I'm hearing your voice and your intonation, and I'm getting so much high fidelity information, right? And that's, our brains are wired that way for, you know, millennia, right? And it's like to distill social interaction down to binary, literally binary <laughs> bits of information, it doesn't jive well with, with our human psyche. And, and yet it provides a lot of the same benefits, 
So it's like, it's kind of a veiled like, oh, this person liked my photo. Therefore, I am still connected to this person. But in reality, like, there's no real connection by any stretch of a human definition of connection or relationship uh, involved there. And so it's like we have so many people who are who are getting fed relationally by binary bits of information. And it's just it, I think it's could be one of the greatest problems of, of the, the generation that grew up with uh, with these tools. It's pretty it's pretty striking. How Zen are you right now? <laughs> I'm pretty Zen, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you do like uh, no phone in the morning in bed kind of thing? Yeah, I still haven't moved. I still haven't moved. It still charges on my nightstand, which is probably not a good idea. But it used to be like, all right, lean over, reach for it, check Twitter, check news, check this. And I haven't been doing that. Um, so I think I've effectively broken that habit. And it's been really nice. I was uh, wake up, make my coffee. I was jotting down podcast notes this morning. Sometimes I just sit in a chair and read a little bit. And yeah, sounds pretty good. Yeah. So 2020 off to a good start. <laughs> okay, excellent. 10 days in. Yeah, yeah. One other thing, too, that this got me thinking about um, that I think I really like Tuple for this reason. Uh, I think there's something something that you could potentially leverage down the line is I think that there's like in learning about the effects of distilling human communication down to even just like text based media like like Slack you're losing a ton of fidelity that way. And I think that does pose a big problem for remote teams. Like, what does this mean for companies that where people literally never see each other face to face? They're only communicating over low fidelity means. That's a big problem that companies that have fully embraced the the remote, the remote paradigm are going to have to grapple with. And I see a tool like Tuple, like it's a way of getting developers to be using higher fidelity means of communicating i mean through the through the lens of pair programming but like it seems like that could really have a good uh, like a, a lot of benefits to just building relationships among teams um who are who are you doing pairing and by nature of that like seeing each other and talking to each other with their voices totally agree yep i think there's something special about the, like the live chatting actually yeah communication part yeah. you're like turning the webcam and you see somebody's face and you're like yeah. oh i feel like i'm more connected to you yeah yeah yeah, I'm psyched to be like supporting that kind of thing for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anything uh, new in the static kit world? Uh, yeah, so it's still still making good progress on the stuff I talked about last time. Um, not ready to, to get into details just yet, but was able to move from prototype to actually working in production. Like there's stuff in production right now that is not yet documented, so not yet publicized, but like it's pretty cool to see it all see it all working together. So I think I'm getting close. Nice. So you're feeling good about it? I am. I'm still feeling good about it. I mean, I, I really want to introduce this to the world. It's it's. I haven't talked to too many people about it, which makes me a little uneasy, but it really came together pretty fast. And so um, I'm just like, you know, if I can just build this quickly, then I can, I can talk about it and show people an actual thing that they can use and we can build off of that. So yeah. Have you thought about how you will release it? Like, do you think you're going to just tell everyone about it or maybe like look for some early adopters to try it out? That is a good question. I think I don't know if I have a clear enough segment of people to where I know like this group of people really want this thing. Like it's kind of a set of primitives that I think a lot of people will find interesting, but I don't know. I don't know if I have a good enough sense of like this is the segment to to tell about it first. So I think I'll go probably pretty wide initially. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But I was imagining more like 
you could potentially email the list and say, hey, I have this thing. If this sounds useful to you, get in touch with me and then like kind of like get your group of whatever 10 people or something and, and work with them closely as opposed to like blast it out there and be like if you want to use it go ahead have right, fun right 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 yeah it's not a bad idea because yeah I'm just, I, there are some decisions to make on these primitives are here now what things should i include in this basket of primitives that then i could show to the world and like figure out what to put in the basket i could definitely use outside input for that so yeah totally. that's, that's not a bad idea and i have to imagine if you even go a little bit further with it and like if you watched someone try to use that new feature you would i'm sure have you know ideas of how to improve it yeah 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 you can maybe even go like like real time kind of fidelity like let me watch you use this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just install tuple and let's uh let's pair on this i mean it, it crossed my <laughs> <Yeah>. mind <laughs> nice this whole podcast is just um a con <laughs> just one the thing. goal of it is to get you to buy tuple <laughs> I want I legitimately want an excuse to use it. I just haven't I haven't paired with anybody in a long time and um that's a shame. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Should change that. I know. I know. Uh well, you know, 71% of people that purchase tuples say that they <laughs> pair more often after getting it, so maybe it would work. The odds are in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just I haven't done a whole lot of pairing with people who are not actually like working with like don't we don't have a business relationship, but I think it it could be fun. Like, I don't know. I, I I did do we did a couple of those back in the day with level like paired recorded it um that was fun mm-hmm. yeah so i don't know maybe look for an opportunity good. to do something like that mm-hmm. that's like the ultimate customer support mm-hmm. it's like i'll pair with you as you use my feature mm-hmm. yeah yeah I don't know, just a thought yeah good time cool uh, anything else going on with you uh no i think that's it for this week i have one more thing which is that i am uh starting sunday uh, starting a fast again uh, i think i saw this i think the one moment i was on twitter this week i think i saw this <laughs> yeah yep okay so i'm gonna be uh, i think sunday night will be my last dinner and then the plan is to try 72 hours never gone that long before <laughs> a little bit horrified at this idea yeah like this morning i woke up and i was like oh god it starts this weekend why did i do this <laughs> well why did but, you do it <laughs> <laughs> Derek asking the real questions. <laughs> um, so it's the same reason as last time, basically, which is that if you go long enough without food, uh, you start to trigger this process called autophagy, okay. which is your body cleaning out uh, like uh, sub, uh, not awesome cells, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts like cleaning stuff out and killing off uh, potentially precancerous cells. Okay. So trying to not get cancer. <laughs> um, so going to not eat some food for a while. And hopefully that will help. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky because it's like, it's impossible for you to know whether you would have gotten cancer otherwise, right? So it yes, just, yes. It really is yeah. a practice of like, I think this might nudge things in my favor. So I'm going to do this very hard thing. Uh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Nature. And like, it, it's like, this is a thing where like the data seems good in like mice, like it appears to be useful for them. Um, and like, there's like some human data, but not really. So it's like people don't really know like what the right dose is. Like, is it like many short fasts? Like, is it intermittent fasting better? Is it better to do one long fast every so often? How long should it be? So it's kind of tricky. Um, it's a little bit like this seems like it's probably good. Um, so it was just does not help uh, with the willpower as you're <laughs> like, damn, I could really go for a burrito right now. Yeah. How's your uh, how's your productivity during the time? Like, what was it last time? I don't remember. Like, did were you able to get work uh, last done? time? I did it mostly over the weekend. Okay, like I had like one work day and then like I think two weekend days or something okay. like that, um, or maybe not even. Yeah, it was it was mostly over the weekend, so I didn't really have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Although I, I would say like my mental 
acuity felt pretty good. Hmm. It was it seemed okay. Yeah. And that actually is consistent with what most people report. And it kind of makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint where it's like if if as you starve, yeah. if your brain shuts down and you get less clever, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> and, and people actually report the opposite, which is they feel really focused and clear huh. as they get a little in the fasted state. Like you could go hunt down a lion with a bow and arrow. Yeah, or like you get really good at like look like searching for food and figuring out where it might be. It's like yeah. your brain like it's like, okay, this is important. Like we gotta really pay attention. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so people report actually it's very common to have trouble sleeping while you're fasting mm -hmm. because it's like, well, we can't really sleep. Like sleep would be great, but like food would be better. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have a hard time turning your brain off. So it's kind of actually the opposite. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So I think working should be good. Sleeping will be hard. Yeah. Yeah. Smelling food will be terrible. Mm -hmm. I bet. <laughs> yeah. So, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, by the next time we record, it should be done. So are Joel and Spencer joining you on your fast? No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. So they'll <laughs> be they'll crazy. be eating lunch in front of you then uh Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to go for a walk or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you um, um have you still been off coffee by the way? Mm, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Some days yes, some days no. Okay. Um I think yesterday I had only tea. Mm -hmm. Um today I'm having some coffee. So, okay. you know. Yep. Yep. Like as I expected, sort mm -hmm. of mixed compliance. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm Anyway, uh, shall we wrap it? Uh, yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Notes of the show. Notes of the show. You can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.